I think the rock bottom really was like recognizing how isolated I was, how isolated I had made myself and realizing that like I had literally no idea what to do next and like having to slowly crawl my way. Like I never want to make it sound like my journey was just like, okay, I left and then now I'm here because it literally was, like you said, years and years of like having to do the hard work. Hey guys, I'm Grace. And I'm Kimberly. And we need to talk. The We Need to Talk podcast is about the taboo stories you wouldn't want to tell your best friends or your mama. We're your friends that are here to hold the sacred space for your stories. We dig into the discomfort of the hard conversations that make your heart pound and your hands sweat. Yet instead, we're here to build unity within our stories and stand hand in hand because the heartbeat of that discomfort is the heartbeat that ties our humanness together. Join us each week as we share powerful, raw stories, inspiring interviews, and use our voices in the hopes that you are inspired to have the hard conversations and say, we need to talk. Are you ready to peel back the layers? Welcome back to another episode of the We Need to Talk podcast with Grace Presley and Kimberly Borges. Today, we are so excited to introduce you to Stephanie Dawn Elizabeth. Stephanie is a certified inner kindness coach and a mentor for girls. She's a host, the host of the Girl Kind podcast and the founder of the Girls Collective. She's on a mission to help girls break through their stories. The world has told them about what it means to be a girl in the world so that we can all show up as is, share our stories, and feel a little less alone. And that is exactly why we asked her to be on the podcast. You are just going to be blown away by this phenomenal woman and her story, and we are so excited to share her with all of you. Welcome, Stephanie. We're so excited to have you here and introduce you to our listeners. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've been following you for a little while and I'm sure there are probably a ton of listeners that already know you because I just feel like you just have such a presence in this world of storytelling. Um, But for those listeners that don't know you yet, why don't you give them a little bit, you know, a little bit of your story, who you are and and sort of where you come from, either physically or uh, existentially? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, do you want me to just kind of dive all in? Yeah, if you want to. <laughs> yeah, so I'm Stephanie, and I am a certified life coach, and I specialize in inner kindness. And I'll kind of tell you a little bit about that in a sec. But I, yeah, so my kind of story, I never really know where to begin because it's obviously such a long journey and it's such a long process of where I was to where I am now. But you know, my, when I was in my early twenties, I was in an abusive relationship and I kind of talk a lot now, a lot about what kind of, I think led me into that. And, you know, when I was in high school, I think it all kind of started for me when I was in elementary school where I live, we actually didn't have middle school. I think usually in like the States and stuff, mm-hmm. there's middle schools, but yeah. Um, In elementary school, I like never thought about my body. I never thought about like myself, my worth, like none of that. It was never something that even like I questioned, you know, like I went to a really small school, super involved in sports and like every single extracurricular you could imagine. And then 
in high school, I got sent, I don't really like to say got sent because it wasn't like that dramatic, but I went to a um, private Christian school mm. and that's sort of where everything shifted for me. There was like a lot of, you know, just shame and so many stories that I could tell. One that I always tell that like, I think highlights is just like this one time when I was sitting in a, so we used to have to wear kilts. It was like the girls had to wear kilts. And I remember like sitting in the cafeteria after school and I had changed into like our gym pants, which you were, I guess, quote unquote, allowed to do. And I remember like I was sitting and I had like my legs up or something. And the principal, I think it was actually like the owner of the school, walked by and he just looked at me and he said, like, sit like a lady. And that for me was like the first time I remember having that overwhelming sense of like, what the F does that mean? You know, like what? And from there, I think everything started to shift for me. And in that school, like there was a lot of just shame used around that kind of thing, what it meant to be a girl. And I started to kind of internalize that stuff of girls act like this, girls have to look like this, you know, like all the BS that Mm -hmm. we get told and just started to like take on that pressure of thinking that, you know, I had to prove myself via whatever it meant to be a girl in the world. And it showed up in so many different ways and really like killed my self-worth, killed my self-esteem. And I think that that's really what led me into being in an abusive relationship, which I was in, I would, I think it was about just over a year. And I don't know how in depth you want me to go, but basically, as you can imagine, it, again, just kind of got me to a really low, anxious place. And thankfully, eventually when I got out of it, it's kind of where my journey to where I am now began. If that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Take us to like, what was going on in your life when you, at the point when you met this person? Like, where Mm -hmm. were you emotionally, mentally, you know, even just like life goals? What was, what was happening at that point? Yeah. So early twenties, I think when we met, I was, I want to say 21 or 22. And I had just gotten out of another relationship that was, I wouldn't say it was kind of toxic. And I just had no, I want to say like no purpose in my life. Like I didn't feel like I had any meaning what I was doing. I felt like I've always had that deep desire for more, like knew that I was here to do more, knew I wanted to help people work with people, but I really had like no self-worth to get me to that point. And I was so deeply from all the stuff in high school around, you know, being a girl, my body, all of that. I was still really stuck in that place of searching for my value in other people, especially boys and men, like feeling like if I didn't have that validation, then I wasn't valuable. And so when I met him, I was really in that place of seeking that out, not really realizing that I was looking for it in other people, but definitely like super low self-worth, just needing somebody else to make me feel what I was desiring to feel. And he knew that and like used that to his benefit, I think. I'm wondering, Stephanie, what was your parents' relationships like? Like where... Um, you know, oftentimes, you know, we get an example of what we think relationships are supposed to be. And so what was it, what were your parents like? 
My parents were divorced when I was in grade three. Mm-hmm. And they had an amazing relationship after, like, you know, we n- I never really, it never felt weird for me that they were divorced. It felt super normal. Before that, you know, like, they fought a lot. It was just kind of, yeah, they were, the, I guess, divorced, but as happily divorced as you could be, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I definitely get that. I'm divorced and it happened when my little guy was three. So he's seven now. And I always kind of wonder how that will affect him later yeah. on in life and his relationships. But I also wonder, um, you say you um attracted this man who um kind of knew how you were feeling at that point in your life. And I certainly attracted my ex-husband. I attracted a man who who treated me the same way I felt about myself. And, but like the way I felt about myself, I feel like it needs to like dig deeper um, than, than that, like where maybe that's, that stemmed from, you know, was it, were, was there bullying in school? Was there just, were there mean girls in school? You know, high school is such a funny time where a Mm. lot of things develop and, um, that maybe brought you into like such a pivotal time in your life too, like in your twenties that, you know, where, where you're starting to want these more meaningful relationships, you know? Yeah. You know, I never really had like bullying or anything like that. It was a really small school, but I think for me, it came a lot from school in general, like from teachers, from, you know, when I, so the school that I went to, it started in grade six, but I went in grade nine So the kids who were in that school kind of started academically in the same space. Like they had been to school for, I think they even started like kindergarten together. So I went to public school. They went to this private school altogether. And when I went there, I felt really behind. And it was like, it was told to me, you know, like I had instances where like I had a math teacher who I was awful at math. I like, I always hated math. And I had a math teacher who basically told me, like, I would be ashamed if my daughter turned out like you. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so it was just lots of stuff like that of feeling like I never was measuring up. And at that time, I didn't really recognize that that was what was happening. Obviously, like, I started acting out and just, like, living up to the expectation that they had set for me, which was really low. Mm. And I think that that just kind of carried into what I thought my worth was based on. And since I felt like I couldn't... I wasn't worthy in the academic, like not smart enough, like just not enoughness there. I think I sort of unconsciously then thought like, okay, well, I can get attention with my body. I can get attention from boys. And when I get that, then I feel enough. Yeah. Yeah. What was your mom's relationship with her body and her value and, you know, not necessarily your dad, but with men in general and sort of how did she, did she display self-love? Did she, you know, was she confident or, or did she sort of lack those not in like a judgmental way that, you know, I think when you know what you do with what you know. So I think now she recognizes and like has that self-love, but when I was younger, no, definitely not. You know, I think now it's so much more, we're so much more aware of, of, that of self-love and body image and healthy ways to like mirror it to our daughters. But I think she kind of did the best with what she knew and mirrored what maybe her mom did. And I think, yeah, I can think of so many times when 
you know, we talked about dieting, not with me, but like I've heard her talking about herself in a really negative way, or, you know, even ants talking about like the diet they're on, or just like having that, I guess, like hatred of themselves and their bodies and not recognizing the like impact that that would have on like me and my girl cousins. So I think, yeah, like that definitely played a big role in even just not being taught about, you know, self-love or inner kindness or how you talk to and treat yourself. Like, yeah, I think that definitely played a big role. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of have like the same experience with my mom as like, now I think, you know, the awareness in our society is so, so much is just grown so much. And so my mom is a different person now than she was when I was growing up. But yeah, I, I can look back and see like those instances where yeah. it was just, it was just almost like what you were supposed to talk about. You were supposed to talk about how fat you were and you were supposed to talk about how you didn't like different parts of your body and why you needed to work out. It was like, if you didn't, then like, if you didn't talk about that with your girlfriends and it was almost like you were, I don't know, like you thought you were too good or something. It was just like a, such a weird culture. (laughs) Totally, totally different. And she even says now, like if I could go back and parent differently, I totally would. But like you do with what you, you do what you know. Right. Yeah. And yeah. And I think part of your question too, that I didn't answer was just the, the relationships that I saw from her afterwards. And she definitely, you know, like craves that from other men, like that connection. And I think for me, what was mirrored was like that, the, again, that your value is placed on the relationship that you have, not necessarily like who you are in the relationship, but just the fact that you are in a relationship or have, you know, a man to support you. Mm. There's it's, this quote. Oh, sorry. Okay, it, go ahead. So it's, um, Oh shoot, I'm gonna mess it up. But she says, you know, you you uh, make your home inside of somebody else, mm. and so when you build the foundation, when you build your home and somebody else, like your roof, the foundation, the the everything is built there, and it's not inside your own heart, basically. And so, um, you know, when they leave, or if that house crumbles, or if whatever happens to it, you you don't find that, that safety within yourself. Um, you know, you have to build your home within yourself instead of looking for outside validation. Mm. And I think that that's a journey that everybody eventually goes through and comes on and eventually hopefully reflects back on, um, that they have to, to find out for themselves that you will never find a home within somebody else or within outside validation. Mm Yeah, I think that's Rupee. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, yeah. You had a question, Kimberly? Uh, I totally forget what it was. So you can go. <laughs> yeah. So Stephanie, I was wondering, you know, we all have these kind of pivot points in our life and um, they're pivot points that either allow us to choose ourselves or um, not choose ourselves. And so um, I'm wondering if there are certain pivot points in your life. Certainly the relationship um, that you mentioned was one where um, perhaps you maybe felt like you chose yourself, but reflecting back, you realize you didn't. What were some of the other pivot points in your life 
where um, you either chose yourself or you didn't choose yourself. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest obviously would be that abusive relationship of, you know, so he actually lived in a different country. And one of the pivot points, I think, where I thought I was choosing myself was moving there Mm. and thinking that like I was being free and adventurous and, you know, just living this life that I thought was going to be the thing that like filled me. And I think that was like a false idea of thinking I was choosing myself, but realizing that I was doing it because I was being controlled by somebody else. And then I think when the, so the relationship in general was just, you know, became abusive towards the end, was really manipulative and emotionally abusive. And towards the end, when it became physically abusive, was another pivot where it kind of snapped me into then actually choosing myself and realizing like, okay, this isn't what I thought it was. And then getting out of it. I think that was probably like the biggest choose yourself that I could possibly have done. And I think that sort of pivoted into having to do the, the inner kindness stuff, the self-love and like that journey of like continuously, relentlessly having to choose myself to repair and heal from everything that had happened to that point. So I have a very similar, I feel like not not exactly the same, obviously, but um, as far as abuse, physical, mental, every type of abuse. But I feel like there's probably a rock bottom in there somewhere <laughs> in between of um, yeah, like moving there or yeah. Yeah. Leaving that relationship because you don't just go from leaving that to realizing like, oh, there's self-love. <laughs> like, no, yeah. yeah, there's, there's years in between there. And I think with social media and in the realm that, you know, we can talk about it and we can show people where we are now and it does not, you know, for listeners, it's just years of work and years of maybe two steps forward and one step back or um, even more rock bottoms until you learn from past mistakes, you know? So what did that look like for you? What did a rock bottom look like for you? Did you have a rock bottom? Did you have a low point? I think my, re- well, I mean, there's a lot of rock bottoms in between, but I don't think I realized it at the time. Like being in that relationship in general really was a rock bottom. The whole, mm-hmm. it, it slowly, like relentlessly chipped away at who I was until the rock bottom when I realized it was when it became abusive. And then I had to, when I left. And I think the rock bottom really was like, recognizing how isolated I was, how isolated I had made myself and realizing that like I had literally no idea what to do next and like having to slowly crawl my way. Like I never want to make it sound like my journey was just like, okay, I left and then now I'm here because it literally was like you said, years and years of like having to do the hard work. And I think the the rock bottom was just I remember this moment of, you know, when I got out of it, I moved home and like literally had nothing to do. Like I would wake up and feel like that overwhelming anxiety of just wanting to go back to sleep and having like nobody around me, no purpose. I remember this moment I was, I went to my mom's, I was laying on the couch and I remember she just sat in front of me and was like, you have got to figure this out. Like you've got to do something. 
And I think that was a moment it hit me of like, okay, I have a choice now. Like this is my rock bottom. Now I have to do something and still having no idea what that meant. I think like a lot of the times, like you said, we just see people's end game and like where they are now and don't see all the in-between and like having literally no idea what that was going to look like. So I think, yeah. I was wondering, because usually when you you think of like a rock bottom, I have multiple moments of rock bottoms. And I oftentimes will say like a rock bottom that didn't hit back because even when I felt like I was falling and I could not fall any further, I just kept on going. (laughs) Like there felt like there would be no end in sight, but you still have these moments you can reflect back on. But it sounds like what it took was your mother to actually reflect that back to you, like for somebody to like bring that to your forefront and say Mm -hmm. like, Stephanie, like you got to wake up and maybe help you wake up to. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like having to have those conversations because I really had told nobody, like people were aware that the relationship was unhealthy and I'm sure they had suspected, but like I had basically lied too. like, I had had my dad ask me like, did this happen? Cause I think I had told my cousin, And then my dad asked me and I said, no, like that didn't happen. And so like having those moments of like, I have to now tell people I didn't have to, but I wanted to be honest about what had happened. And like that, I don't know, like that shame of just having to show up as is and real and be honest about what I had experienced and not that it reflected bad on me, but in the moment it felt like that like, okay, now I have to like go back and make up for all of the stuff that I felt like I had done. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm curious, can we dig into the, you talked about how you isolated yourself and I'm really curious, was that looking back, was that on purpose because you were feeling ashamed about it and you didn't want to have to tell people or like, was that, you know, maybe a mix of him trying to isolate you as well? Like, what what was going on with the isolation piece? I think it was both. You know, when I, so for part of it, I still lived um, at home. And I remember, like, moments of him saying just stuff, like, I think at the time I was living, like, in the basement, and, like, him using that as part of, like, isolating me, like, oh, look, your family doesn't even care about you, like, you live in the basement, even though, like, it's normal to live in a basement, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean, so, like, things like that, I can look back now and reflect, like, okay, like, I can see now what he was doing, and then part of it, I definitely think was me starting to recognize what was happening, and being ashamed of myself, and what, like, I was becoming, of having those moments of, like, what are you doing, but not being strong enough to leave it and like just not wanting people to, to see what was going on. And I think part of it was like, I felt that like me and him against the world thing, you know what I mean? Of like, mm-hmm. I knew people were seeing what was happening, but I wanted to like protect it and make it work. And like, thought it was my responsibility to like, yeah, protect him and protect us. And so I think part of it was just wanting to put on this, I don't know, show, I guess, of, pretending like everything was okay. And so needing to isolate a bit because it just wasn't true. Yeah. 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 That resonates a ton because I did the same thing Mm -hmm. where I had, um, like what resonates with what you say with me so much, um, actually saying it out loud to somebody like, 
holy crap, I will never, ever forget the first time I said those words out loud to somebody. And that's probably the scariest sound that you can hear, like hear yourself say, like utter those words, especially when, um, you know, he would always tell me nobody will ever believe you. And so then the first time that somebody actually says, um, Grace, you know, I believe you or Stephanie, like you don't have to be afraid anymore or, you know, um, lie anymore. Or we love you regardless, or let me help you or whatever that looked like for you in whatever realm. And so for listeners too, like whatever that is for you, you know, we're talking about an abusive relationship here, but if yours is an addiction or alcoholism or or anything like that surrounding that, you know, it's the same, you know, using your voice to tell somebody and to get help or to confide in somebody like that is so powerful to have that support and to just to, like, we call it holding space, you know, in the personal development world, have somebody to do that for us. Yeah, I think a lot of the times we just, we think we know how other people will react. And a lot of the times it's because people have reacted poorly in the past, but yeah, I think finding the people who will hold that space and who just will believe you is something that's really important. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. I have a question. Um, I'm, I'm curious now being having a bit of distance between who you are now and that relationship back then, how do you, like, what is your opinion of this person? Like, how do you feel towards them? Like, what, like, are you still angry? Have you forgiven them? What is your perspective towards them? Yeah. I never really think about that, actually. Like, in now, like, I literally don't, when I think of my story, I don't really connect to him being in it, if that makes sense. Like, I I, I don't think it's like I'm avoiding it. I just don't care anymore to think about that person or to like reflect on him necessarily. I can have compassion for whatever was going on with him that that's the way that he like acted or needed to feel whatever he needed to feel. But I think, yeah, it's so interesting that you asked that. And I think like, even when I'm telling the story, you know, when you're telling a story, you picture like what's happening, like what's going on. I rarely connect it to him. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, um, Karen Kenny, she talks, she's a a spiritual mentor and and storyteller, and she talks about writing your story and how, when you start to tell a story, you can tell if you're not through it yet, if it feels hot, does it feel, you know what I mean? Like by saying it feels hot, does it, does your story still feel hot or, or is it like, no, not at all? No. I think I've shifted it. So I've told it so much now and I don't want to say like there's a disconnect between it, but I think there's a healing to it and such a shift for like, it's my story to tell. Like I think before, I don't know, there was still a lot of shame around, I don't know, like allowing what I allowed to to happen, I think. And now I've been able to shift it in the way that I feel about it to just look at it as something that now helps me connect so much deeper to other women and girls and like claiming the story and owning the story. Whereas before it was just like something he did to me, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm curious also the shifting. Cause I mean, for our listeners, I think that that can be really abstract. So what does that, 
how do you how do you actually shift that where we're what are are there I mean maybe this is this is something that you also teach your clients but are there exercises that you can do are there mindset shifts like what how does that how does that actually play out in real life yeah I mean I think it's such a long process (laughs) a lot of different answers like it really does depend on the person too but For me, looking back, I don't think it was an intentional thing, to be honest. Like, I don't think I looked at my story and thought like, okay, I'm going to own it. Like, there's definitely no moment when that happened. I think for me personally, and the kind of the work that I do with girls is focusing so hardcore on the inner stuff of yourself. And for me, that led to healing with what happened. So being like, you know my story is so much longer. We didn't even go into like how I started to do, to do inner kindness work. But for me, I think that work that I did on myself of recognizing, okay, what led me into this relationship was such a severe lack of self-worth. And, you know, that led to so much anxiety and just so much stuff. And I think working through that instead of like focusing on the relationship and what I had gone through for me was really healing. And then that like deeper sense of inner kindness and self-love and just like compassion for myself and forgiveness for what I felt was my fault. Like that led to being able to slowly, like really slowly let go of all of that shame and all of the, the stuff that like I was so deeply holding on to. I don't know if that makes sense. I think it was like a roundabout way of healing. Like, I don't think I specifically looked at what had happened in the relationship and like one by one healed from it. I think it was like a long, relentless, and I still am doing the work. Like there are still moments when stuff that, you know, he said comes up in my head or just like that leftover stuff of being in an abusive relationship still comes up, but it's like that relentless when I say shift, I just mean like that relentless choice of the way that I'm going to look at it or the way I'm going to feel about it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It does make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about inner kindness work and what yeah. you do. Yeah. What does that mean? What does inner kindness work mean? Yeah. So how I kind of got into it also is a really long story, but basically when I got out of that relationship. And I was telling you, you know, I was had that moment with my mom where she said like, you've got to do something. At first I was really pissed. And I thought like, what do you mean I have to do something? I'm doing something. But I, that was kind of another pivot where I started to, I think, honestly, I probably stumbled upon it on Pinterest, but I started to like, look for just something to pull me out of it. Like that that craving for like, okay, I need something, you know, we all look for like that quick fix, which I was looking for. But I stumbled upon this blog that was um, dedicated to kindness, and really like random acts of kindness, and like the connection that that creates through with people. And so I stumbled upon this blog. And I basically, you know, at the time, I was super anxious, even like leaving my house was a chore. And I just had those days where like, I literally didn't want to leave the house. So I started to challenge myself to like the tiniest bits of kindness and connection with people. At the time I was living in a small town where I grew up. And so when I went out, I would do like the smallest things where I would actively, you know, like if I'm paying for my coffee, I would actually look at the person and say, thank you. Or when I held the door, I would actually like 
asked the person how they are and waited for the conversation. Like the tiniest little things of kindness that like we sometimes think we're doing, but a lot of the times we're not. Like if you Mm. think about the last time you paid for your coffee, were you on your phone or were you like actually engaging with the person? And I started to recognize, you know, when I like was in that space, I was so stuck in my own story, in my own head, in my own anxiety of like what had happened to me that I forgot that like there was also a whole lot of other people in the world, if you know what I mean. And so like those bits of kindness kind of like made me realize that there's other human beings who are probably experiencing not necessarily the same thing that I am, but who are experiencing life and like pain and trauma. And that like connection that was created was something for me that started to slowly pull me out of what I was in. And so from there, I started to work with youth and we did like these weekly kindness corners where we would just like have conversations like this, just connect with each other in a way that wasn't just like surface and like had a space to actually talk about what was going on in our lives and like what we needed. And what I recognized, especially for girls, now I only work with girls at the time it was boys and girls, but was that like, we, for somewhere, for some reason, somewhere along the line, like we literally forgot to teach girls, especially that like, we deserve the same kindness that we offer to other people. I think a lot of what, you know, happened for me getting into an abusive relationship was that like, I thought I had to give, 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 give all of my energy, all of my kindness, be like the nice girl. And didn't realize that like, I also deserve that from other people. And that, you know, inner kindness came in from recognizing that we're taught so often that we have to be kind to other people, we have to be nice to other people, but we forgot, especially before, it's so much more mainstream, I guess now, but before, like when we were younger, we did, we were never taught that like, we deserve that same kindness, but that also, we have to give it to ourselves. And that literally everything we feel and like everything that happens in our lives, like what we deserve, what we think we deserve starts with like how we think about ourselves, how we feel about ourselves, how we talk about ourselves, all of that. And so that's kind of how I got into recognizing that, especially for girls, there's just like this huge gap where we don't think we deserve what we think other people deserve and that we don't realize that we can and we have to like give it to ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, I remember, um, you know, I've been into personal development and in that this world for a long time, but my like real like diving deep into personal development and releasing shame happened last March. And I remember a relationship ended and it was just like an awful breakup. And I sat on the plane home because he lived in Australia and I read Brene Brown the gifts of imperfection and Kristen Neff's self-compassion. And those two books like just completely changed my life because they changed the way that I thought about myself and the way that I talked to myself. And so that piece of like being kind, like it, it was just like, it's like such a simple thought, <laughs> but, but it's like such a simple thought. And you're like, wait, I have not been nice to myself like at all. And we weren't taught to be nice to ourselves, and we're not taught to be nice to ourselves, And we're not taught to, you know, expect that from others. And it was just like, 
oh my God, <laughs> like just my whole world opened. Yeah. I know. And it's like such a simple thing. And even when people want to know, like, what is inner kindness coaching? Like, what, is, what do you mean? Because it seems so simple and we're like, oh yeah, obviously I'm kind to myself, but like, we literally are not. We're not. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, unless you take a really hard look about on like what you're actually thinking about yourself, actually feeling about yourself, actually saying to and about yourself, you're probably not. And especially as women and girls, like it's not our fault. It's just how we've been taught to treat ourselves. Mm -hmm. I think that comes back to awareness too. We had a podcast with Karen Kenny and we were talking about awareness and there's so many thoughts that you're not even aware of that you have circling throughout the day um, unless you choose to become aware of them. And so just even with inner kindness and, and talking about this and, you know, for listeners, I'm sure like right now you're like, oh yeah, like I have like, what thoughts do you have about yourself when you look in the mirror? You know, are they kind thoughts? What do you think about yourself? Or, you know, do you, I was just um, reading this book. I'm actually, I'll have to, I don't remember the name of it, but it's really good. And she talks about um, for women, how we oftentimes think that to receive love, um, it's kind of measured in a way that we have to give, 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 give. And then, you know, then maybe we'll get it back, you know, but you don't have to give anything to receive love. Like you are already loved and you are loved just as you are. You don't have to, to give anything to be loved, you know? So I think that, you know, and, and that's just as a culture of women. And I think now, like you said, it's more mainstream, but also it's still, just how we're wired, (laughs) just to have that basic teaching, um, for inner kindness and something that starts so young, you know, I, um, have a story worth loving. And recently there have been young teenage girls coming in talking about these things that we're dealing with as, you know, 30 year old women. And it's just like, that's so young, you know, you're, you guys are babies and, and growing into women. So it's so important, you know, kindness to ourselves. Yeah. I think Brene Brown calls it like hustling for your worthiness of thinking Mm. we have to just do all of these things in order to be worthy. But like at the end of the day, at the basis of everything, like you're just worthy because you are alive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that that's like maybe a good segue to talk about how does your, I'm sorry, Grace, if this was your question, um, how, do, how does your story now connect to your business and, and what you do with your clients? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's sort of, so where we kind of left off with talking about my story was around just like recognizing that piece around inner kindness. And I think that has been where I've really built, I guess, my business or, you know, when people see like where I'm at now, I never want them to think that this is like where I started because that, so if I, you know, think about where I just shared my story, that moment of like recognizing that we have never taught girls about inner kindness, that was like literally, I don't know, six or seven years ago. Mm -hmm. And from there, I started to recognize like the power of sharing my own story, but really, really slowly of, you know, I started out with like this one vision six years ago of what it was going to look like. And it's evolved so much over time. But I think 
the, the basis of, you know, like the work that I do now. And now I work a lot with girls just being able to share their, their story as well. It's just that, that vulnerability and the, the, I guess like the empowerment that I got through sharing my story and recognizing that like, we all desire to hear each other's stories. We all desire to share our stories and be seen. It's just that we don't often have like a lot of space to do that. And so that's why like this podcast, like this is so powerful or the girl kind podcast, just like having spaces where we can hold space for each other and we can like recognize the power of amplifying our voices, but also like other women and girls voices as well. So it's really like evolved dramatically over the last six ish years. But the basis of it, I think, is just allowing space for girls to share their stories and be believed and be seen and know that, like, their story is worth hearing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, too, you know, people oftentimes are are drawn to people who are vulnerable. They yeah. want they want to be in the space with somebody who's vulnerable. They love that, but they are afraid to be vulnerable themselves. And so, you know, you, you find that there's resistance around that or there's shame or there's whatever surrounding their story. However, podcasts like this or with Girl Kind podcasts or just these conversations, um, people don't often hear these conversations. And I think that's what's so powerful about it is that these conversations are happening. You know, people are having these conversations where you can dive deep and you can talk about your story and you can release shame around them. And, and, um, you know, you can be kind to yourself. You can get through that trauma, whatever it is. And, you know, they're powerful conversations to be able to change the trajectory of your life. You know, they are happening. So, um, you know, Stephanie, you say on Instagram, you say, I share my story because I feel called to, I use my voice because I can. And because I know that it's what I'm meant to be doing, I show up vulnerable, vulnerably because that's what feels good. And it's taken me years to get here, years of continuing, continuing to go and grow and trust that I'll figure it out. And that someone has my back. Yeah. And so who has your back? Who is that that has your back? When I say that, I think of like the universe or, you know, what, whoever put me here to do what I know I'm here to do. Like now where I'm at, I feel so supported. And I know that like, I can trust in myself and I can just trust in what I'm here to do and trust that whatever I say is meant to be said and whatever you know, just trust that whoever needs to hear it will hear it. So when I say like, I know somebody has my back, it's like that, yeah, that like presence of somebody put me here to do this. Like, I didn't just think this up, like, okay, I'm going to do a podcast. Like, okay, I'm going to share my story. Like, I know now that I'm here to do it for a reason. And so I trust that like, whatever scary steps I take or whatever, like big leaps or whatever it is, I trust that somebody has my back and that like, it's all going to be good. Yeah. I pictured you just having your own back. Like mm. where once you didn't, you didn't feel as if you did and you allowed choices to perhaps be made for you that now, now you have your own back and the universe has your back as well. Totally. Yeah. 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 I love that. 
Um, so we've talked about some awesome things today. You know, your story. Thank you so much for sharing that. I know it's going to resonate with so many listeners. Um, but I have just a couple of questions left for you. Um, you know, we need to talk often. Like if I said, hey, Stephanie, we need to talk. It's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> about and, you know, am I in trouble? And so um, we need to talk centers around things that are uncomfortable to talk about. So if there was one topic that you thought as a society that we needed to talk about, it doesn't have to be about your story. It doesn't have to be about whatever. It could be about pets. It could be about politics. It could be about whatever you wanted to to be, but it is that important that we needed to talk about what would that be for you? Ooh, that's such a good question. So many things, but you know, I think we really need to talk about the effects of the way that we've treated women and girls so far. And like just the, yeah, just what we're doing to women and girls. Like we need to talk about that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, because it centers back to what you are doing. <laughs> like that's you know centers back to your universe and your purpose. Yeah, yeah. And I just have one last question. Uh, and so, talking about your story, you have worn a lot of hats in your life. So, you know, you were a daughter. Um, you know, then a daughter of divorced parents. You were a private school. Christian private school student, you were a girlfriend, uh, a girlfriend in an abusive relationship, an entrepreneur, all of the different hats, I'm sure like friends, like all of, all of the different hats that you've worn in your life, what have they taught you about what it means to be human? Ooh, that is a good question. <laughs> what has it taught me about what it means to be human? Well, I think as humans, like we all just want to be seen. And I think in like all of my different roles, I just desired to be seen as I was without those hats, if that makes sense. That like, yeah, we don't need those labels. We don't need those hats. We're just at the basis of it. Like it doesn't matter who we are, what we're doing, what role we're in. We all just want to be seen. So I think that's what it's taught me. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Stephanie. Thank you. Yeah. Um, thank you. I um, know the listeners are going to want to know about how perhaps they can learn more about being kind to themselves. Um, the girl kind podcast, um, what you offer clients, where can they find you? Where can they connect with you? Yeah. The best place I would say is just Instagram. You can kind of get to everywhere from there. And, um, that's at Stephanie Dawn Elizabeth. And then the girl kind podcast is on iTunes, Apple podcasts, and Spotify. Awesome. We'll drop those in the show notes. So you guys can find them. Thank yeah. you. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. It was awesome. Hey guys, we need to talk. I just wanted to take a moment and thank you so much for being here, for being part of this incredible, amazing tribe and just amazing community. You know, it takes a lot for somebody to be able to be vulnerable and to share their stories in this manner. And it also takes a lot for somebody to be able to listen and to hold space. And that's you. And so thank you for that. 
And if you find yourself needing help, if you find yourself wanting to connect on a deeper level, if you find yourself just wanting to reach out and talk to either me or Kimberly, please do not hesitate to do so. Um, that's available to you guys and so many avenues and we love hearing from you. And if you have a moment, please head on over to iTunes and leave a review and let us know what you think. You know, your thoughts are important to us, your stories are important to us, and we love hearing from you. Until next time.